This is the Edify Podcast for the servant. Here we are, week four of the foundations of preaching. We've talked about the authority of Scripture, um, the voice of God in preaching. We've talked about the the task of, of preparation and the task of preaching. Uh, I want to talk about the presence of God in preaching. It needs to be said, it needs to be known. Um, you see folks in the Pentecostal world talk about the presence of God. Or somebody would say, Lord, we, we pray for your Holy Spirit um, to, to enter into the room, or, or whatever it may be, that you hear people say and talk about and as though God is not here. Let's talk about that for a moment. The faithful preaching, and I preface the word preaching with faithful because it has to be faithful to the text, faithful to the thought. The, the faithful preaching of God's Word not only results in hearing His voice, as we talked about last week, but it also mediates His presence. Now, don't think Jake has lost the Richter scales and, and all heemi-jimi, but as we've looked at, as, as has been shown, when God's Word is accurately preached, it is as though He were present to deliver it to himself. You know, to, to reject the messenger is to reject him. Jesus said, don't, don't worry when they're rejecting you. They're not rejecting you. They're actually rejecting me. The mouth and voice of the preacher are reckoned as gods. We talked about that last week. But, but there is a real sense in which God is uniquely present in the preaching of his word. And, of course, God is omnipresent which is to say that he is everywhere, that he is present, that he has access to all portions of reality. But, but the manifestation of God's presence in preaching, even though it's related, is distinct. It's something kind of like Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20. I, I know a lot of folks will use that verse to justify them going out on a fishing boat on Sunday and say, I don't have to meet with the church. I'll just be in a fishing boat, me and my friend and the Lord because the Bible says in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, blah, 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 I am there in their midst, you know. And so what they're saying is, is that they can go out and worship God and forsake the church because as long as they're Christians and Christians together, God's with them. Okay, Matthew 18 is not even talking about, about that. <laughs> it's talking about in the act of withdrawing from wayward brethren, uh, God's authority, God is with them. Uh, God is present. Jesus is saying that he is present in that very action of, of, of that work. So this is kind of akin to that thought. This, this spiritual expression of the presence of God is so distinct um, that it can be said that the absence of God's word is the absence of God. No, the Bible is not the Holy Spirit. It's how the Holy Spirit operates. But let's let's dig into this. I don't want you to... Uh, lose focus for a second. The clearest and most explicit passage that highlights this is 1 Corinthians 14, uh, chapter 14, 24 through 25. The Apostle Paul demonstrates the superiority of prophecy over tongues. Uh, and, and the word prophecy means just to speak forth of something. Um, and what he does is he, is he shows the, the superior nature of prophecy over tongues by contrasting two hypoth- hypothetical situations. The first picture uh, is a gathering of the entire church where everybody is speaking in tongues, verse 23. And the scenario pictures everyone doing that simultaneously, speaking in, in a foreign human language that nobody understands. And so what Paul does is he captures the response of an unbeliever who enters the assembly, and he says, will they not say that you are mad? So what they're doing is confusion. 
And so, in contrast, Paul describes a second scenario. It's, it's a picture of a believer who enters an assembly where everybody is prophesying. This is verse 24 and 25. But only this time, it says, quote, that he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, here's what it says, he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. So, in other words, God is present and is so in a way that, in a way that he that he would not be apart from an Ill, Ill, intelligible proclamation of the prophetic word. Okay. What I mean is this: God mediates His presence through its proclamation. Now, it is important to note that while the Word of God mediates the presence of God, it does not follow that the presence of God mediates the Word of God. If the reverse were true, then the preaching moment would result in a guaranteed, infallible proclamation of God's Word. It does not, however. So as such, the hearer must exercise discernment in the preaching, uh, testing all that they hear against the Scriptures, um, seeking the Scriptures to see if these things were so. But since prophecy has ceased, and it has, this reality is carried on in the preaching of the prophetic word, what has been spoken by the Holy Spirit. Um, the preaching of God's written word results in, in a manifestation of his presence. John Calvin, I don't agree with everything that he said, but listen to this, and he, he kind of captures this. Here's what he said. It is certain that if we come to church, we shall not hear only a mortal man speaking, but we shall feel that God is speaking to our souls, that he, that is God, is the teacher. He so touches us that the human voice enters into us and so profits us that we are refreshed and nourished by it. God calls us to himself as if he had his mouth open and we saw him there in person. I agree with that. But it's not as though... Uh, the mere proclamation of God's word necessarily results in the experience for the hearer. It doesn't happen that way. In Hebrews chapter 4, you have verse 12, something that sounds somewhat out of context. The word of God is living and active, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, able to divide soul, spirit, bone, marrow, yada, yada, yada. That's in the context of not hearing God's word by faith. I tell you what, let me get my Bible open. If you've got yours open, let's let's read some of this together. We got time. And if we don't have time, then we're too busy. Hebrews chapter four. It says, Therefore, while the promise, verse one, of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any you of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Okay, just because something is preached does not mean that God has shown up and done something in such a way. It says, it did not benefit them. Well, why? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So there's a step that needs to be taken when God's word has been heard. When God uh, proverbially shows up in the preaching and the teaching uh, of his word, uh, there has to be something that's met with faith, Romans ten seventeen, Faith comes from hearing God's word. 
when I hear God through his message, uh, that has to be met and coupled with my faith. Now, we're going to use pastis or pastuo, how, however we want to slice it, in, in the way that it should be. It's, it's a statement that I hear what has been said, I trust and believe what has been said, and I act upon what has been said. Uh, biblically speaking, there's there's three faiths of the Bible. Paul uses um, all three of those in, in Romans. The faith, that is the faith of Christ or the, or the law of Christ has been delivered. The personal matter of conscience faith, uh, Romans 14, 15, 16, where something is faith for you but not faith for me, meaning that it's not something that is sin for every person. And then the third phase is this faith that is I put my faith in something. That is to trust in it, to trust, act upon, and be obedient to. Every saving faith in the Bible is an obedient faith. So the the work of the Holy Spirit is through this word, through this word that is preached, the Spirit of God must enter, um, must enter into the heart of man, not the blood pump, but the spiritual heart of man. Uh, for it to be fruitful. What I mean by the Holy Spirit has to do this, he does this, this through the word that is preached. Um, when he does this, and he enters the heart, and it's met with an obedient faith, the experiences of the hearer, um, we would say uh, there, there's, a, there's a, a unique manifestation of God's presence in that way, in that it, God has come into their life through the word that is preached, by the word that is preached, and changed and molded what is there. This magnifies the severity um, of the picture that's painted in Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. He says, People will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Amos 8 and verse 12. A person cannot seek the Lord apart from his word. There is where he has chosen to make himself known, there only. Thus, a famine for the hearing of God's word is a famine for him. The statement is true. The absence of God's word is the absence of God in the context of this podcast. So this has the potential to revolutionize the way that the local church esteems the preaching of God's Word. If the, if, the, if the preached Word results in both the hearing God's voice and mingled with the faith of the individual, there, there is a unique manifestation of His presence. Then the significance of the corporate gathering is substantially elevated. People get something out of it. Non-believers, 1 Corinthians 14, 24, 25, they come into the presence, they hear the truth that has been told, it's there met by the Scripture. And with their obedient faith, they receive it. God shows up there by those means in that moment. It's very significant. It's very, very significant. So this should impact a, a, a believer's behavior before, during, and after uh, the preaching. It calls for diligent heart preparation, focused, attentive listening, and, and deliberate, prayerful application. And this is especially true since preaching is the primary means of grace in the life of the church. So, preaching and hearing God's Word, 
therein that's met with faith, the Holy Spirit, with this word that's before us, comes in and cuts down the little g-gods that we have in our life, comes into our heart, our spiritual heart, not the blood pump, and therein works through that word that is preached. God is there. God is there, and if it's coupled with faith, then those, those folks can say, God is amongst those people because his word has cut through me through the preaching of that man up there. Fellas, as you preach this foundation, the fourth that we've discussed, God shows up in biblical preaching. God is present in biblical preaching. Uh, we've not come to a mountain that cannot be touched. We, we have come uh, to the throne room of heaven in the presence of all that is there, and in that we worship God. That's a blessing. Don't take lightly what you're doing this week. Don't don't take lightly. It's one of the reasons why Paul told Titus, do these things, exhort, rebuke if necessary. Don't let anybody turn you down. Don't let anybody refuse what it is that you're doing. You're God's man. You're God's man. Uh, if, if truly you hold on to these words, live by these words, and sincerely pursue uh, your own faith and try to pass it off to others. May God bless you this week in your preaching and teaching. And may God show up this coming Sunday at your local congregation.